Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Well, hi, everybody. Finishing up our series today on strategies for stressful times or not today, next week will be our last week, but we're kind of bringing it in for a landing. And I don't believe this series on stress and stressful times uh, would be complete without looking at what pressure and storms and all the things that we've talked about in this series, what it does to our bodies and relieving stress on our bodies. So this week, uh, that's what we're going to talk about. That's the title, Relieving Stress in Your Body. Anyone experiencing stress in their body today in some way? Yeah, I think we could all agree with that in some way, in some, some topic or something. Is, I believe we can just relate because we all, one thing we all have in common is that we all have a body. And we're trying to navigate this world and the stressful times and all the pressure, all the problems, all the things. On top of all that, we're trying to navigate all of that with our bodies often adding stress to the equation. And so there could be a a couple different approaches to a message like this or sermon like this on relieving stress on the body. And one approach is we could just go through all the ways that help relieve stress. And um, it's stuff that we all know and the Bible talks about it of, you know, sleep and eating and activity and rest and uh, exercising and relating to people and I found that exercising and meeting new people um, often go hand in hand. Anytime I go for a run, I meet new paramedics, right? Or whatever, I don't know. (laughs) I didn't have many jokes today, so I had to throw one in there somewhere to get us laughing today about our bodies and everything, but it's a tough topic. And and what I felt led to do actually going into this is, uh, is I believe just having a gospel-centered, grace-filled, hopeful, challenging message, and look at what the gospel says as it relates to our bodies. And so the goal today is for us to walk away with a a more biblical viewpoint, a biblical view of our bodies. Game on, everybody. Does that sound good? Walk away. Okay, what does the Bible, what does the gospel say, and how the gospel affects my physical body? Because the gospel has a lot to say about the body. Even with the coming of Jesus, John writes in John chapter 1, in the beginning of his gospel, he says the word became flesh. Like Jesus became flesh. And there is no greater compliment that you can pay the human body than the fact that the word became flesh and the word remains flesh. This is a mystery to me right now, but it's it's a fact that at the right hand of the Father right now, is a glorified human body. Jesus ascended into heaven. He didn't ascend into just an ethereal, spiritual place where there's no up or down or or no real place. No, there is a physical human body, glorified body, at the right hand of God the Father sitting on a throne. The incarnation, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension, they're pillars of our faith, pillars of the gospel. 
And so God is not only interested in your soul. And I think sometimes Christians can really have that mindset. And they think, well, I'm just kind of walking around in my body, but God is going to extract from me some spiritual part of who I am, and then he'll run with that for eternity. And that's really what will be eternal. But I want to say very clearly today, God's eternal plan for your life includes the body that he created. In Romans chapter 8, Paul is talking about creation, and it's talking about how the world and, and really all of the cosmos is groaning and waiting for something to happen. It's like it knows things aren't right. And not only creation, but we ourselves uh, and believers also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies. Wouldn't you agree with the word of God today? We long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Amen, somebody. And we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children. So you've been adopted by God. He's our heavenly father. But we're not experiencing the full rights of that adoption yet. But when we do, when we, when we realize the full rights, it will include the new bodies he has promised us. So this is saying we've already been given new life in the Holy Spirit. We've got a foretaste of this wonderful new creation. I like to say it this way. We have new creation software, but it's running on old creation hardware. <laughs> like we've gotten the software update, but now the... The hardware is groaning and saying, man, I know there's something better. I know I want more out of this. I know there can be more out of this, and God wants to give it. And our bodies are longing for it, groaning for it. And when the full rights of our adoption are realized, that will mean the redemption of our bodies. So the new bodies he's promised us aren't replacements. They're redeemed versions of what we have, glorified versions. And the gospel is good news for our bodies absolutely is. And so with that, I want to give you five biblical truths about our bodies. And number one is, if you're taking notes, our bodies are not accidental. Our bodies are created by God. So David uh, wrote this amazing psalm that very well known, very famous words here. Let's just rest in this for a minute. Psalm 139.13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together. I've never knitted, but I've watched people knit. And every, every knit or stitch, or I'm sorry, I don't know what to call it, but every part is handcrafted, right? You knit me together in my mother's womb. Now he's just reflecting on his life and his body. And then he turns and he says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And I'm just struck with David wrote this in the same reality that you and I are experiencing. He didn't, this isn't before the fall. And he says, I praise you, God, because of what you've done. And you made me with great and careful attention. God has now made several billion of these things. Yet they are not mass-produced. 
You weren't at the end of some uh, assembly line. You're not at the end of some production line. You're not accidental. You're not a, a duplicate. And your body is not the product of time and chance. Your body didn't cough itself up into existence. It didn't evolve from something else. It's not accidental. Now, some of us may not have been planned by our parents, but that doesn't mean you weren't planned by God. There may be accidental parents, but there's not an accidental human being. And when life from your father joined with life from your mother, there's never a moment where there wasn't a living being. And from the amazing creation of the human eye, one of the most complex, if not the most complex thing on our planet, from your cells to the human hand, I mean, there's evidence of design all over you. And therefore, I praise you, God, because of what you have done. We are not accidental. We are created. Second truth about our bodies, number two, is our bodies are not insignificant. So our bodies are not accidental, they're also not incidental. And it may be easy to think, well, the real me is my inner self. Like, it's not what you see, the real me is something else. But the Bible gives a very different perspective that because God planned for us to be here and because we have been fearfully and wonderfully made, our bodies are not insignificant. It's not just an arbitrary lump of matter. I'll say it this way. It's not just that you have a body. You are a body. Your body is part of your identity. It's who you are. And you might say, well, where are you getting this? Well, think about the creation of Adam in Genesis chapter 2. If you're familiar with that account, God takes some of the soil of the earth and forms it into a body and breathes life into it. Genesis 2.7 says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now notice with me what God does not do. God does not create a soul called Adam and then create something to put that soul into God was not like, okay, I've got this soul, now I need to find some Tupperware to put it in, right? Like, no, God made flesh, made a body, and then breathed life into it. So it's not like our souls have been shoved into flesh and blood for just a period of time. No, our bodies were part of the process, significant to who we are. So this means a couple of things. One, it means that the body is not everything, so it did have to have life breathed into it, but it also means the body's not nothing. Like, I, I don't know how else to say that. It's not everything. We're not going to that extreme, but it's not nothing. We're not going to that extreme either. Not insignificant. It's not the sum total of your identity. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we get that clear from God. Uh, if you can go read this account, but it's when uh, Samuel's been directed by the Lord to Jesse's family to find who the next king is and anoint the next king. And Jesse's sons, like, that's all he knows. It's going to be one of Jesse's sons, but Samuel doesn't know who. And so they line up Jesse's sons, and they all look very king-like. Like, this looks like the one you would want to anoint and, and crown as king. But Samuel's listening to the Lord, and he goes down the line, and it's, nope, 
nope, nope, nope, nope, nope. And he's like, well, are there any other sons? And they're like, well, yeah, there's one more, but it can't be him. And lo and behold, it's David. And, and God says, the Lord said to Samuel, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So we know, yes, there is more to someone than meets the eye. And the Lord says, it's hard for us to remember that. He says, the Lord can do this, but we have problems with this. Like, we look at someone, we size them up immediately by how they look. And all our prejudices and all of our thoughts and all the, our history and our wounds and everything else, the way we see the world, we size people up the way we look at them. God says, I don't do that. I see the whole picture. I see the whole puzzle right there. So, yes, there's more than our body, but the body's not nothing either. 1 Thessalonians 5:23. Let's read this one out loud together. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're not independent of the body. So uh, another extreme our culture takes is, like they'll say, well, your body defines everything about you, how you look, that's who you are. But another extreme our, our culture takes is that the body doesn't define you at all. It's just random matter, do whatever you want with it, make it into the kind of person you really believe yourself to be. Like the body is just an avatar. It's just a costume that, well, this isn't me. It's just a costume I wear and I can switch it out. I could change it. I can change it for a different costume. It's just physical. And that's a line that you don't see in the Bible. That's, a, that's the world that says it's just physical. And what you do with your body, that doesn't really affect you because it's not the real you. And you hear that line often come up when someone has had an affair or is engaging with something sexual outside of their marriage. They'll say, well, it didn't mean anything. It's just physical. The Bible says, no, it means something precisely because it's physical. Because you're not separate from your body. And what, what I do with my body, I am doing. Similarly, what is done to your body is not just done to your property, it's done to you. And that's why when we are physically hurt or assaulted, it affects us so profoundly because we ourselves are being violated. No one who's been hurt physically says, oh, it's just physical. No, it, this happened to my body, therefore it's happening to me. And our bodies are significant to who we are. They're not an accident. Third biblical truth we're going to put under our belt today is our bodies are, are broken. And I don't need to convince you much of that, I would imagine. Like, we're longing for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. To be released from their addiction. To be released from their affliction. To be released from things we've struggled with for years. And so back to Romans 8, verse 20, it says, For creation was subjected to 
frustration. And that's what I mean when I say our bodies are broken. And maybe that would have been a better thing to just put in here is the Bible word that they're frustrated. Like creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. So God has subjected it to frustration. Let me ask you this. If, if everything in the world were great and, and creation wasn't groaning and everything in your body were great and it wasn't fallen and it's just humming right along, how would you know that our relationship with God has been injured, has been broken. So God has subjected it to frustration in, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. And so the reason God has subjected creation to frustration is to show us that we're out of joint. Our relationship with our bodies ain't right, relationship in the world's not right because our relationship with God is not right and it's a massive visual aid pointing us to directing us to we need a redeemer we need God we need someone to do what none of us can do and we don't relate to God in the way that we're originally intended and we live in a world where people get sick and people stay sick and the Bible makes sense of that for us that we're dislocated Creation has been subjected to frustration. We age, we have accidents, we get ill. No one is perfectly happy with their body. So hope is there, but it's not within our own body. And another form of bodily brokenness we're particularly conscious of in this time and cultural moment is in gender dysphoria. And the word dysphoria is kind of the opposite of euphoria. Like euphoria is experiencing a profound happiness about something. Dysphoria is to experience profound unease. And gender dysphoria is when you have the sense that your body doesn't match the gender you feel yourself to be. But as we've already seen today, you're not separate from your body. It's part of your identity. God created you, male or female, and that's who you are. But the fact that we have problems with our bodies isn't a sign that we need to escape our bodies or change our bodies or force others to see us differently. When we experience frustration with our bodies, whatever it may be, we remind ourselves, oh, body is part of my identity. It's part of who I am. But it's also pointing me to the fact that I need a redeemer. So you can't use your body to fix your body. The, act, the answer actually lies, ultimately, in the bodily brokenness of Jesus Christ. In Colossians 1.22, it says, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Jesus took on flesh, and was broken for us. That's how, like we're dislocated, that's how the relocation, that's how the reconciliation happens. It's not back through our own bodies, it's not our own way, it's through Jesus Christ. And the fact that we have problems with our bodies is, is not a sign to escape it, it's a sign 
that we need a redeemer. We need someone to live a perfect life in the human body and make a way for us. So for instance, someone wrestling with gender dysphoria is not going to experience the sense of bodily harmony that they long for by altering their body. And through you yielding to it or participating to it, apart from Christ, it won't help them. It won't help any of us. Hope is found in truth, in the truth of who we are, the truth of who God made us to be. And when we live in harmony with the way God created us with our creator, we find that God has made a way for us to be right with him because our bodies are not accidental. They're not insignificant. Even though they're out of joint, number four, good news is our bodies were purchased by God. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, the Bible uses some words that I realize in any other context would be um, pretty scary. Like, uh, yeah, I grew up hearing Bible verses. So sometimes when I share a Bible verse with someone, maybe I'm witnessing to them or something, they'll respond and be like, well, that sounds horrible. And it's kind of like jarring to me and I realize, oh yeah, well I know what this means or I like, you know, accustomed to it or something. But he says these words that, I mean, they may sound scary at first because it says, do you not know, the Apostle Paul writes, that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own, you were bought at a price. And those words said from another human would be scary. They would show you how much uh, little worth or dignity you have. But said from Jesus, those words show you how much value you have, how valuable your bodies are, how precious you are. Back in verse 13, Paul says these words, you say, and then he quotes the people he's writing to, for the stomach, or food for the stomach and stomach for the food and God will destroy them both. Like, eh, just do whatever you want. Like, food's passing away, bod's passing eh, do whatever. No, the body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. The body for the Lord and the Lord for the body. The body is designed to be the vehicle through which we glorify God. That's what it's made for. That, that's its purpose. And Jesus made a way for that to happen. And he hasn't bullied his way into power over you. How did Jesus purchase your body? He laid his life down for you. And he has yielded his body for you so that you can now belong to him. And part of what it means to be a Christian is to realize my body is not my own. And back to verse 20, I'm to honor God with my body. So let me, let me give you some good news. If your body belongs to Jesus, guess who the only person who needs to approve of your body? Guess who that person is? Jesus Christ. And he says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And so how can we honor Jesus? How can we honor God with our bodies? Just a couple of ways, a couple of mindsets real quick. The first is to steward our body. So steward is a word you see in the Bible, and that's because a steward in the ancient world was a person who was given uh, the responsibility and the authority 
to rule over the affairs of a household. And I don't, I don't know what the modern day, vers- like a short-term vacation rental, I guess, like it's not yours, you're just overseeing it for a period of time. And so Paul says here in the middle of Ephesians 5 on your notes, uh, he's talking about how husbands ought to treat their wives, and he references the body. Verse 28, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. And Paul says no one ever hated their body. He's talking um, typically here, not exhaustively. So like, could you find someone who hates their body? Yes, of course. But he's saying typically we care and feed for our own body. What we eat is not spiritually irrelevant. How we treat our bodies is not spiritually irrelevant. It matters. What we eat matters. What we put in our bodies matters. The Bible says many, many times in the New Testament that we are to be of sober mind. So of sober mind. Not drunk, not high, of sober mind. It's our It's not our bodies. They belong to God. They belong to him. And so we're to steward the body that he is giving us to steward. 1 Timothy 4.8 says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. And the fact that godliness has ultimate value doesn't change the fact that physical value has, or physical training has some value. Again, it's not everything, it's not nothing. God calls us to a balanced biblical view of our body. And, and it's easy to get this wrong and think, well, the body doesn't matter, it's just here to be used up. Like it's not ultimate value, so I'm just going to use it up for ultimate value. I heard re- recently about uh, Robert Murray McShane. And they say he's one of the greatest preachers of the 19th century. And he pushed himself so hard in ministry uh, to see that happen and to see uh, dreams and visions realized and uh, to be a great preacher. And he pushed himself so hard in ministry that he did his health in and he died before he hit the age of 30. And as he was dying, it's reported that he said, God gave me two things. God gave me a message to deliver and a horse to ride. Alas, I have killed the horse, and now I cannot deliver the message. And so physically caring for yourself is not unspiritual because your body and the message it's to deliver belongs to Jesus. So we steward our bodies. Secondly, we offer our bodies. You might write that in. In Christianity, we're not called to be beholden to our bodies, listen to our bodies, follow our bodies, we're to offer our body. In our lives, God, again, is not just interested in some spiritual part of you. He wants you to offer your physical life as well. In Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper Worship. So we're to offer our bodies. 
Now, we can be specific when we do this. Like, literally, just op- say, God, I offer you my feet today. Please take my feet to where they can be instruments of righteousness. God, I offer you my eyes, how I look upon this world. Lord, help me to look upon this world the way Jesus did. When I'm stuck in traffic and my natural response is to say, how could everybody else need the same piece of road I need? Maybe God help me to look at them with eyes of that they are like Jesus looked on the crowd of sheep without a shepherd. Do I have compassion on them? God, I give you my ears today. Give me ears to hear. God, give me eyes to see. Lord, I offer you my hands. May they be uh, tools, instruments of righteousness today. So our bodies are not our own. We steward them. We offer them. We offer them. And then just briefly as we finish, the fifth biblical truth today is our bodies are not finished. You are not experiencing the whole story yet. Your body has a future in Jesus. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, it's a little long, but let's read this whole thing together. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Man, do you feel the lowliness of your body today? The frustration, the fallenness. Right now it's lowly, but there's another thing you need to remind yourself today, and that is Jesus is going to transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body, the body with which he was raised. That's the type of body we're going to be raised with. And Jesus is going to do that by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. That, that you might say, well, he ain't going to do much with this. <laughs> like, what's he going to do with my body? I'm going to have to experience this body forever? And I believe Jesus would say, I have the power by which I'm subjecting all of reality to myself and bringing everything under my control, I think I can take care of your body. (laughs) I think I can handle raising your body into a glorified body for the age to come. And our bodies have a future. And we will enjoy a resurrected physical life in the new creation. And so I want to say to any of you who have chronic, painful health conditions to anyone who has thought in their mind, my best physical days are in my past. I want to say to you with the power of the gospel that your best physical days are not in your past. They are in your future. And this means that we can almost welcome the aging, the decay of our bodies for that reason It's a sign we're getting closer to the resurrections. And the gospel is good news for every part of your life. And it's good news for your body. Let's pray together. Well, Heavenly Father, we do uh, groan inwardly. 
we do. Uh, our hardware um, is frustrated that we know there's more. We know that it's supposed to be better, uh, but it's not. And Lord, we just sense that and feel that. And uh, God, I just I sense it today. Feel it today, and the the awkwardness of of spending this much time focusing on our bodies and and what the Bible has to say. And, and God, even as we wait, it's agonizing. But God, we wait in hope with anticipation. And God, we ask for the peace, the endurance, the comfort for you to stabilize us in the meantime that we may finish well with our bodies. Lord, help us to know um, that we have been made by you, that we are not an accident, uh, that we are not insignificant, that uh, our bodies are not insignificant to who we are. And yes, they're frustrated, but you made a way uh, for our bodies to rise. You came, you lived the perfect life we could not live. You died in our place, you rose from the dead. And God, we are so looking forward uh, to when uh, this unfinished product will be glorified and be finished and that we can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.